0: podcast is part of the sports social podcast network hello and welcome to the Nakuom show on ESPN good to have you with us gang we are getting that little bit closer. the start of this season excited about that of course but it also means we've got to roll our sleeves up and get down to business so we're going to start rolling out some franchise focused pods for you picking teams in particular that we're really fascinated with that we think could have a Jekyll or Hyde season could really kick on and maybe not enough people are talking about them or conversely it could all implode And things could go horribly wrong. We're starting with the Denver Broncos. Not many people talking about the Broncos other than, is Aaron Rodgers going to become a Denver Bronco before the season starts? But they've got some promising offensive talent, serious defense as well. Are we underestimating them? Well, there's only one man that can put us in the picture on that. He has been an NFL journalist for over 30 years. One of the great minds of the business and covers Denver day in, day out espn so let's check in and talk some broncos with the brilliant jeff legwald <music> jeff it is great to see you we were just chatting before we started rolling a couple of things the sun is shining in in london which is a, a rare occurrence so it's uh absolutely sweltering right now but i'm still in a chipper mood despite most of my uh fellow uh men and women moaning about moaning about the weather i guess you don't have that problem quite as much where you're based
1: <laughs> no, uh, the, the sun comes out plenty and we, we celebrate it, uh, <laughs> with the uh, outdoor activities. So yeah, come on. We're, get we're, outside. we're still Let's
0: go. We're still learning. We're still, uh, and the other thing we are chatting about before we started rolling was, was the heartbreak of, of England oh. in the Euros, which is something you were, you were watching on keenly. Uh, did the Euros get a lot of traction over there in, in the States?
1: You know, they did for me. And I know, you know, at our, our, our net, you know, I work at ESPN, so at our network, it was a very big uh, item. But I, it's funny, uh, covering uh, American football has has made me over the last thirty five years. I've become an enormous uh, Premier League fan just because uh, all the early morning flights and and all of the early morning uh, activities here. I, I've just become an enormous. Good I timing. love. Yeah, I love watching the. Sunday morning, uh, Premier League and, and it's just become a big deal for me. I tape all the games. It's, it's really funny. Oh, and, wow. Hard question. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. There, I'd often draw a lot of parallels, of course, of the, the burgeoning NFL fan base over here, right? Yeah. And, and the Premier League support over there. Who's your team? Have you got a team? Have you, have you know,
1: any... I, I, I sort of, uh, for whatever reason, I, I, and some of it was, uh, when the Broncos played there in 2010, I, I went to an Arsenal game in okay. person. Okay, but uh, I've I've really followed uh, Tottenham a lot. Oh, I, that I, I died like
0: much. complete rivals, Jeff. You yeah, I know,
1: and I and I, but uh, you know, uh, Harry Kane. You know, that's been uh, one of my, uh, for whatever reason. That's that's just been one of the teams I've I followed. In uh, uh, Chelsea, because they they got the young uh, American guy, so I like watching Pulisic play. But sure. uh, anyway, sure. I. I I love it. I know. I understand now why you guys are, it's so
0: passionate. I, I just, I think it's awesome and every part of it. It's it, it really, really it's similar how how there are parallels there really with the the game uh, at the NFL as it gro- grows over here. You named almost every London team, Jeff, apart from the greatest one of all, which is West Ham United, which of exactly. course is the there correct we go, yeah. There we go. Yeah. We'll, get, yeah, we'll get you on there. So let's well, uh, let's talk Broncos, uh, and, and yes. we've got to start with the quarterback situation because that is intriguing for all kinds of reasons, uh, not least story breaking or coming out anywhere in the last 24 hours, suggesting that the Broncos are nowhere near deciding who their, their start is going to be based on Drew Lock and, and Teddy Bridgewater. Um, but of course, there's this Aaron Rodgers-sized elephant in the room as well that that still may, some dreamers like to believe, may, may, could still happen. Let's start with what we know for sure, that currently Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater are Denver Broncos quarterbacks. Do you have a sense that one of them is ahead of the other in the packing order right now, despite what the official line might be. Well,
1: I, I think ultimately, you know, sort of Drew Locke a little bit ahead, simply because he's sort of the incumbent, you know, and and that's and I and I think from a skill set perspective, an age perspective, and just time in the offense, I, I think it is his job to lose in a lot of ways. If he performs the way they'd like him to and the way they expect him to, I think he simply wins the job. But in, mm. uh, in, in this game, uh, for a quarterback, nothing loses the job for you more quickly than turnovers. They'll put up with uh, sort of functional mistakes or athletically things you have to overcome, but you turn the ball over, you're done. Uh, they mm. will replace you in a heartbeat. And and he, he tied for the league league and in interceptions last year, and he was last of the league and completion percentage. And you simply cannot live in that neighborhood as a starting quarterback. So, uh, you know, if he shows, okay, all my work in the off season has, has improved that aspect. I think he wins the job. I mm. think Teddy was signed for two reasons. He's good enough to win games with if he wins the job, but he's also such a good guy off the field mm. that he would help Drew Locke if he doesn't win the job. And I think that's the combination of a veteran quarterback they were looking for, a guy good enough to win with, but also a good enough person to help Drew Locke if, if you know, the veteran doesn't win the job. Because some, uh, some veterans mope, they pout, you know, I came here to start. And right. when they don't, they don't help the young guy. And the Broncos did not want that situation. They wanted sort of the best of both worlds. And I think in that regard, uh, Bridgewater was the best they could do with, with those two, with those two things. But I think, you know, they've got a lot invested in Drew. He's a second mm-hmm. round pick athletically. Mm-hmm. They love what he can do physically. It's just a matter of, can you do all that and, and not turn the ball over? Cause again, that, that's the quickest way to the bench, uh, for a
0: quarterback. Right, it, it, it's fascinating how Denver, uh, and you know, particularly under uh, John Elway's tenure, ironic uh, uh, for all of that period, that the quarterback position has been so elusive, so difficult to, to nail down. Of course, it is, is you know, the most significant individual role in in the NFL, arguably in, in all of team sports. So it's not an easy problem to fix. But the Broncos have had consistent issues here and I think there was a sense particularly going into last season that Drew Locke was the answer right there's certainly Broncos writers Broncos fans that I spoke to are very high on Drew Locke and as he as you rightly say had a, had a pretty abject season is that still the sense that your, your colleagues in the media that cover the Broncos regularly what you're understanding from the Broncos fan base are they still believing in Drew Locke or has that confidence waned significantly
1: well, I, you know, part of it was they came, you know, worn down the stretch in 2019. They went four of the last five. He looks pretty good mm. uh, doing it. So the glimpses of the good are, are sort of where the skepticism comes. You know, people want to say, okay, we they want to see that all the time. Now, you know, I, ironically, last year he had his best game against Bridgewater in, in Carolina. Right. You know, he, he, that was as easily his best outing. Of the season. And when you see him play like that, you know, composed, uh, opportunistic, all of those things, that's what sort of gives the optimism. But then, you know, as the season wore on last year, whether it was the, the pandemic or just how they had to practice and meet and all of those things, it, it seemed to wear on him. And mm. I, you know, I've told people, uh, Denver is a tough, uh, underrated, Underrated tough place to play quarterback. Uh, mm. uh, Mike Heimerdinger, who who was a, a longtime coach in the NFL, sure. called place for the Broncos and the Jets, uh, died of cancer a few years ago. But but Dinger was a very good friend of mine, and he always said Denver was a tough tougher place on quarterbacks than New York uh, because there's no place to hide. Mm. You know, you you are the quarterback for a regional franchise, and I, mm. I asked Elway one time. Uh, was it tougher for you as a young guy to do the job or have the job? Uh, and he said very quickly, have the job, mm. you know, just dealing with all of it. And that's where Locke is right now. And I think this off season, uh, you know, he met with Peyton Manning, uh, for a while. He, he's dedicated his off season to his workouts and his preparation. And that's, that's the first step. You know, quarterback in the NFL is, is kind of a lifestyle. You don't mm. get an off season like the other guys do. And if you're really interested in that, uh, you should probably do something else for a living. <laughs> and that, that epiphany sort of comes for a young quarterback or it doesn't. Mm. So I think it has come for Drew Locke. Now it's, can you transfer that on the field? Cause he is doing all of the right things, uh, up to this point. And now it's just a matter of taking that into games, into practice. And I think they purposely put the heat on him this year and mm. threw the competition open to see how he would react, right? Uh, to it, you know, like yeah. like anybody, you know, how, what are you going to do? You're going to go into a shell, or are you going to mm. go out there and work? Yeah, um, it's a,
0: it's a great point. You think about, uh, you know, a, a malign quarterback of recent years, Mitch Trubisky. I remember when he was in Chicago, <laughs> not a straightforward market either, I think, to play quarterback. Uh, when he was under a lot of pressure, you know, the stories coming out he wanted all the news channels turned off at uh, the facility He didn't want to hear the criticism and, and that you know was definitely a slight i think against it you know him and uh, his ability to, to cope and so it is a really interesting point you make about the the mental fortitude he'll need if he's told you're in a battle this isn't a straightforward gig let's see see what you're made of it's really interesting as well just mentioning john elway and peyton manning in the same sentence and we think about Latterly, the fact that the Broncos haven't managed to sort out a, a, a de facto starter, a franchise starter anyway, and the specter of those two all-time great, greats looming over, I guess, just adds to adds to the pressure. What about Aaron Rodgers, Jeff? I mean, is that all just hype, uh, fanciful, jibber-jabber because of the, the quarterback situation we just talked about, amongst the teams that he could conceivably go to, a contending team? uh they are the one most in need of uh, of a quarterback of his type so that has been associated a lot with rogers whilst he's been so unsettled this off season are you buying into that or do you think that ship maybe has sailed now if they were going to have done a deal it would have happened probably before the draft
1: well i you know from the discussion i've discussions i've had with people in the league with other teams other gms uh even folks i know with the packers uh uh, you know, that would have been the time for the Packers to trade him was before the draft because then you know at least one of those first-round picks is going to be a top 10. Mm. Now, if you trade Aaron Rodgers to any team, any first-round picks you're getting are probably going to be down in the 20s because Aaron Rodgers is going to make the other team better. Right. So, uh and most years, I mean, this, the, the draft's dirty little secret is that – uh there's never been a, a year that I know of in the last 35 that I've covered the draft that teams have had 32 first round grades. It's usually in the twenties. Mm. So it, those first round picks you would get for Aaron Rodgers aren't really first round picks unless you get one of one top 10 in there. And you can only assure yourself of that by trading them before the draft. So mm. that's one thing. Uh, the other thing is. I continue to hear the Packers aren't going to trade him this year, that they would like to move him in 2022 and that that was the plan all along. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think ultimately uh, this year Rogers' teammates appeal to him and then he can say publicly, I'm only coming back for these guys. I'm not coming back uh, for the people I'm upset with or because I think I'm wrong. I'm coming back from my teammates. Right. And then everybody, uh, muddles through the season and then the fire stokes up again. in in January and February and March, uh, about finding him, you know, someplace to land, you know, that the contract negotiations have been going on for months behind the scenes. Uh, I, I don't think he's all that interested in a long-term deal. I, I think he understands the clock is ticking there. Mm. Uh, when you really look at it, Green Bay is, uh, is sort of a testament that the franchise quarterback doesn't guarantee you. I mean, they've had 29 seasons of Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, mm. and, you know, and they've won two Super Bowls over right. that span. Right. And so it, it, it is the, you know, the Rubik's Cube of the NFL is everybody wants one, but even when you get one, it doesn't assure you. Sure. Of everything you'd like I mean it, it's you know over those 29 years the Broncos have won more Super Bowls than the Packers have you know it's right. three to two <laughs> right so right. It, it's just an odd thing you know kind of an odd dynamic but yeah you got to have one to to uh compete at the highest level and whenever one is even rumored to be in the wheelhouse and then you know the Broncos sign Manning so everybody thinks you know catch the lightning again and Right, and do right. it all over again. But you know, Mike Shanahan used to say that uh, everybody says we're in on everybody. That he used to get so frustrated because the Broncos were always you <laughs> in know, the paired mix with whatever <laughs> whatever player might be available. But yeah, he yeah. said everybody says we're in on everybody. You know, and then,
0: <laughs> it's really interesting point you're making, and I think Roger's well documented, of course, given the fact he's a generational player, and and potentially one of the all time great quarterbacks that he's only got one ring and it reignites that conversation when you're evaluating. And I guess ranking uh, the greats, how significant that element is. And I'm, uh, uh, Miami Dolphins fan. And I fell in love with a game as a kid with, you know, Marino, right. And figured at the time, well, okay, this is going to go well. We're going <laughs> to, we're going to roll again and again. And of course it didn't play out that way. So yeah, we'll be, we'll be fascinating to see what Roger's next move is, but really interesting insight that unlikely to be this year.
1: Back to. At least that, yeah, that's, that's what people in the league believe, you know, we'll yeah. see if that's, if that's different. And again, he's, he can be fined $50,000 a day in camp, uh, that's real a significant thing. If they actually find him, that sort of tells you where the relationship is at that point.
0: Yeah, right, exactly. Although that's you know he racks those up, but it's a couple of jeopardy guest appearances. He'll kind of yeah. <laughs> he'll just no. rock off and do that. I'll I mean, take fines for yeah. a thousand. Please, you know? <laughs> yeah, oh, I love that. Uh, let's talk about the offensive weapons around uh, Teddy and Drew. Because that is, a, I think, a reasonable point when we're looking at Locke's different year. He was without Courtland Sutton. The impact that had, I guess, as well on, on Jerry Judy as a rookie, because Judy, and I was really interested to get your take on Jerry Judy, because I was so excited to see him in the NFL. And talking to those who cover the college game far more extensively than I do, and looking at that great receiver class, he seemed to be the surest thing. That seemed to be what everybody was saying. He's a really smart, root runner. He's got a great mind on him. A solid all-round athlete. He's he's a safe bet. To, but his, I guess, his season wasn't bad, but it didn't live up to the levels of some of the other uh, rookie draft class around him. Is that because all of those things connected? Sutton was out, so Judy had to deal with the number one corners more, and and, and Locke was struggling. All of those things uh, impacted it. Do you feel that Judy's going to have a really significant? Move on year, breakthrough year, and we'll see a lot more from him this year.
1: I think you will. I, I think you'll see uh, improved production. Whether or not they're going to put the ball in the air enough, you know, to have Fant have a dynamic year and Sutton have a dynamic year and Judy have a dynamic, you know, that remains to be seen. I, I think they love, uh, you know, Sutton's return changes everything. Mm. You know, he he he's the alpha of the group and defensively, you know, everything will flow back from him and Judy will suddenly find himself on a, on a number two or a number three corner or mm-hmm. the nickel corner. And that's a matchup he can consistently win. I mean, he, uh, I think it's important to, to look at, you know, his struggles or when he had struggles last season and what was a very good year for a rookie receiver, mm. Uh, it was drops. You know, he had a five drop game against the Chargers. Uh, and it wasn't because of technique. It, it's that the young guy just simply presses so hard to want to succeed. And some guys really do that. They sort of, you know, force themselves into a mistake. They want to mm-hmm. not make a mistake so badly that it almost has the opposite effect. And, uh, from a football perspective he has the difficult part already handled he he is he might be the best route runner on the team i mean mm-hmm. his his route running is way beyond his experience and age and that's the hard part you know that's usually the part people are waiting for first second and third year receivers to get you know and the fact he can do that already puts him ahead of the game and you know, if he just cleans up a few technique things with his hands, now you're looking at a very productive NFL receiver over the mm. long haul. But Sutton, Sutton's return, and he looked great in the offseason practices. I, I, I think they'll put him on sort of a pitch count, you know. Right. A, a, a play count in camp just to be safe. Sure. But he, he's ready to play. I, I, it would stun me if he's not lined up on the first play of the opener you know ready to go and you know now he gets the one the number one corners he gets the double uh and Judy has a little more room to work mm. and Fant has a little more room to work so it it's a different dynamic when Sutton's back in there
0: you've got KJ Hamler in there as well uh so i guess the obvious question is why wouldn't they be airing it out uh, as much as they if they can that's i mean that's a serious receiving core assuming sutton's back to the levels we saw you know the season before he got injured and judy kicks on Fance, a terrifically promising player and ham has got a lot of edge as well why and so why would not tim
1: patrick led the team at touchdowns tim you know patrick as, receiving as well yeah. Yeah. Touchdowns, I mean, it's yeah, a good so. receiving
0: core isn't it right so so why i mean offensive philosophy sure but why wouldn't they look to be airing it out more is that the reservation at quarterback is it more deep-seated than that why wouldn't they express themselves with this great receiving core well i think they'd love to i don't want to make it seem like they wouldn't but
1: mm. when you i went back and broke down all locks interceptions last year and, and ultimately I wrote, I wrote a story about it but uh, uh all of them were in the shotgun mm-hmm. and and all but two i believe uh, we're in the three-wide receiver set, so some of it they have to decide, is this a a schematic thing right. that we did that we put the quarterback in a bad situation, or is Locke uh, looking at things differently when he's in those sets? Like, he was far more uh, – even though he didn't play under center in college, Right. Uh, last year when Who he was under center – uh, his footwork at quarterback was far better. And that that's the kind of thing they have to look at. You know, does he need more play action? Does he yeah. need to be under center more? But I think ultimately what you're saying is true. I, I think they'd love to be in that, you know, upper third of the league and and throwing the ball because that's the way the game is now, A. And B, they've got an awful lot of, this is the deepest, Set of targets they've had since they were, you know, Demarius Thomas, uh, Welker, mm. uh, Eric Decker, you know, Julius Thomas at, at tight end. I mean, this, this is the deepest group they've had since that since group. Then. And I, I'm not saying they can perform to that level. Yeah. They, they went pretty well but, that group. So. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. you know, in terms of being able to match up, I mean, if, if Tim Patrick is your number three or number four receiver, uh, you're pretty good. Yeah,
0: sure. Uh, things, so. are, things are looking good. So, okay. A lot of, a lot of promise then I think uh, offensively, if, the big, if they get the quarterback situation, at least up to a serviceable.
1: mean the guy can just play, just don't give the ball away. You right.
0: It's that, a pretty simple, you know,
1: mantra there, you know, just throw to the guy in your colors. The, you know, the Jameis
0: Winston it's, principle, we like to call it. Yeah. Just, just, just <laughs> hang on to it. You don't have to do anything fancy. Uh, what about the ground gate? Talk us through where they're at there, because that isn't maybe quite as promising, is it? Well, I think they really like the rookie, mm. uh, Javante
1: Williams. Uh, they moved up to get him in the second round. Uh, I knew an awful lot of scouts that thought he was the number one or number two back on the board mm. uh, going into the draft. And I, I think the Broncos were excited about him. Uh, and then they go through their off-season workouts, and, and Melvin Gordon uh, decided to stay away, and so Javante Williams got all of the the reps with the ones essentially. Great, and he made the most of it. I think mm. they're very high on on you know what what he can do. Uh He's a very physical runner. Uh, you know, he led college football in broken tackles last year, so you know he's that kind of runner. Uh, I think he looked more advanced in the, in the passing game than I, than I expected a little bit, you know, mm. he looked really comfortable. Now, some of that is, you know, it, I, I call those practices, uh, prom night because they're made to look, everybody, everybody looks good uh, <laughs> when there's no, sure. no contact. So, yeah, but he, he, he did look comfortable and I, I think they're very high in him and I think running back is for a for a fan as the position to watch what, what's the decision going to be? You know, they, they signed Mike Boone in free agency and the general manager, George Payton said, Mike Boone was a target. So, you know, he's not going anywhere. Mm. Uh, Javante Williams isn't going anywhere and they've routinely kept three running backs. So is Royce Freeman, a guy they drafted uh, a few years ago, the pick or Melvin Gordon expensive, uh, what if he's not the number 1 you know and he's making 8 million dollars i mean is that does that yeah. make sense i mean right. so so that's a position i think people should keep an eye on as it goes through the preseason because that that could end up being a pretty big decision if they only keep 3 and that's that's what they've done the last couple of years
0: that is really interesting to hear uh, hear the Rookie breaking through and getting those reps, and yeah, okay. So maybe I was uh, overstating a little bit to say that that isn't set. Maybe that's exactly what they've got in that. No, I he- mean it's, it'll be interesting to watch because he, the the young guy, really made the most
1: of. You know, again, those workouts are voluntary. It's not like the veteran ha- has to be there. But the fact sure. Gordon wasn't there, he simply got all the work, and they got a very good look at him, and and I think they liked what they saw. <laughs>
0: Defense, equally intriguing for, for different reasons. Justin Simmons, of course, their the headline act and the deal that he signed now, which makes him, I think, one of the, the highest paid in his position in the in the league. Um, and surrounded, stacked at talent, if they stay healthy, of course, and if they live up to the, the theory, right? If a if number of players there, if they can play to their fullest potential, this is one of the more formidable defenses in the, in the AFC, isn't
1: it? I think that's their hope. You know, I, I, the, the one thing they're really, you know, they're, they're very deep at corner now. And in today's league, there aren't very many teams that can say that, you know, they, they have four top level corners uh, because the rookie is phenomenal. Right. He's one of the best rookies I've seen in years. Wow. Really? Uh, uh, just in terms of how he approaches it. I mean, he, you watch him on the practice field, and he looks like he's been there for for ten years. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal uh, pick, and it's I, in I the think blood, that, right? I mean,
0: he, I guess he grew yeah, up. Uh, he's been been groomed
1: for yeah. as long as he can remember. But just a uh, just a smart, composed, mature player. Every you know the all the things you can say about Pat tan the second uh, are. Are simply true, and I, I, I'm not really prone to say this guy's the best I've seen in years, but he is the best I've seen in a long, long time. And and I learned a long time ago from Champ Bailey that when you're looking at young corners, you, you look for composure. Athleticism is great, and it's a requirement of the job, but the the really good ones are composed right away. And he he goes through practice. And every movement, every step is just a composed, uh, way of doing things. And mm. you know, he's comfortable in what he does. You know, it's like he, he's doing the job he wants to do and the job he
0: loves, like we should all get to do someday. But, uh, so yeah, I, that and, is and fascinating. I think- and hearing that, I mean, that is, and you, that is high praise indeed coming, coming from you. And you look at the, the collective core, as you say, one of the deepest. Uh, corner cause in in the whole NFL, let alone you know in, in the conference, and that I think right now in 2021 is even more significant than usual right? than it than it would have been you know in the past. It's a, it's a requirement now. You you know
1: everybody's lining up with three and four wide receivers. You know teams are in the nickel seventy percent of the time now. Right, seventy five percent of the time. When I first started covering the league, that number was about thirty. Mm. So I mean it's that's where it's it's headed. And last year, the Broncos are proof if you don't have enough corners, you, you simply can't compete on that level. And I think the one thing, you know, uh, that Bradley Chubb and Von Miller together in the defense, you know, injuries have prevented that. And the, the stat I give people is they, those two guys have played 20 games together. 20. Wow. And. They, they, those two guys have 29 and a half sacks in those 20 games. So when they (laughs) play together, it's, they're, they're unblockable. And if they can combine Chubb and Miller with that secondary and everybody stays healthy for 14, 15 games of of a 17 game season now, now you're talking about a a defense that can power you into the, into the playoffs. Mm. I mean, even last year, you know, the, the, the Super Bowl has two high-powered offenses in it, but it's Tampa's defense that actually wins the trophy, you know. And, and even now, in those January games, in the playoff games, it's still the defenses that are pushing things along, It, it you know, because things change in December, January, and February. It, it, it's just a fact, and, and you've got to have that element in some fashion.
0: Well, bringing it all together then, Jeff, what is your prognosis for the Broncos this season? And I I know there has to be an asterisk because of the quarterback situation we've discussed at length. But assuming that you would look at them as relatively interchangeable, whether it's Teddy, whether it's Drew, you're going to get a similar level of productivity, albeit they're slightly different players, from that position. What are they shooting for here, realistically? Are they a playoff contending side, do you think? I think they should be, but
1: you know, the asterisk for them is, uh, they have to be in the top 10 teams in terms of, uh, turnover margin to the good. That's mm-hmm. going to be their statistic to watch. We're going to, you're going to have a lot of analytics that are going to have impact on what they're doing, you know, yards per play and, and, you know, personnel groupings and all of those things. But ultimately, uh, turnovers are going to determine their fate. You know, do they get a bunch on defense and do they keep the ball on offense? And if they can sneak into that top eight, top seven teams in that turnover margin, then that means they're playing the way they should. And if they do that, I think they're in the playoff conversation. And then, you know, once you're in the field, then you just take your shot, you know, moving forward. Right. And but, you know they they also live in the same division as as Patrick Mahomes who isn't <laughs> yes, going anywhere do. for an awfully long time and Justin Herbert looks like a very good young quarterback so their division is suddenly a, a place where you better win with some defense or you better have a quarterback who can win the those head to head you know pedal to the metal kind of games and they may need a little of both. Frankly, they may mm. need to play good enough defense to to get out of their division, and and also score enough points when they have the chance. So, they, but turnovers are ultimately going to tell the story for them, and and they can't be o for September. That's the other thing. Big Fangio is o for September in his two years. Yeah, you know o for three one year, o for four one year. They, you know, their September's pretty. Uh, they
0: don't have any powerhouses yeah right at, they got the, the giants September. the jags the jets their first three games i mean come on if, that, they're, if they're sitting, that's got to be two and one at yeah, worst or exactly yeah or, yeah. or
1: they, you know they got to get through it but they can't have another start the way they've had because that you know you're almost you know especially when you don't play the chiefs in any of those games you know all the division games are later in the year now so right you get off to an 0 and 4 start. You know you have two games against the Chiefs left. You got two against the Chargers, and and any of the the tougher, uh, you know, non divisional games are are still waiting for you. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they they've got to get out of September
0: in some kind of decent shape. Come out flying. So bring all all that together and wrapping up. You mentioned Vic Fangio. Is this realistically a, a win or bust season for him? In so far as it's got to be a playoff spot. Or Denver will move on, or if they have a productive season, a healthy season, but narrowly miss out, that might buy him another year.
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's a new GM in George Payton. So you don't, mm. you know, it's their first year together. So you have to kind of see how that dynamic looks. Now they were, they were very good together in the draft. You could tell there was a lot of conversation going on because they, they drafted players George Payton liked and that fit what Vic Fangio does so uh you can see there is a relationship building there so but anytime you get a new general manager uh that's always a question mark you know sure. if he didn't what's hire the guy? coach then yeah, yeah you yeah. don't you don't know but you know he's going into year 3 of a 4 year deal and that most of the time that is okay what's what's this going to look like moving forward and mm-hmm. and I think Vic you know he certainly has been in the league long enough to know you know, he waited an awfully long time to be a head coach, but uh, he, he's he's very respected in the league. I, I think it's – I tell people all the time, if the Broncos fired him, uh, he'd have a defensive coordinator job before he got to his car. And I think that is true. Now yeah. the step for him is can you take all that knowledge and ability and respect people have for you and bring it – to being a head coach because it is a different gig. And I think he, you know, they didn't look at, but I think as a coach, the way he handled the pandemic, uh, the way they've handled the vaccinations in the off season, they're one of the they're one of the teams out front in terms of, of that. Uh, you know, they've drafted well now, uh, multiple years in a row. So things are there for him and and what you're saying is true. That all has to show up somewhere in the standings because ultimately no matter how much people like you, you know, what's under the letter W at some point in the standings determines your fate and Mm. they got to, and you know, Denver's not a town that puts up with, okay, we, you know, they're rebuilding. They didn't make the playoffs. That's not, you know, Pat Bowen was the owner for three decades and they had more Super Bowl appearances than losing seasons.
0: In right. those three decades, that's right. what people, that's what people are used to. That's what they expect. And you got the nuggets turning up the heat as well now. So yeah, the avalanche, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like a yeah, town right. of playoff teams, you yeah, know, yeah. it can't be the old one out. It is great to chat to you. I really appreciate your time and insight. Thanks so much for dropping by. And hey, the good news as well. Here we are now, what July the 21st, what a couple of months away from the start of the season. That's that exactly. feels good saying that out loud. It's great exactly. to see you, Jeff. Thanks so much for uh, your time. I appreciate you guys at any time, anytime you'd like. We owe you a beer when you're in London; it's on us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. I'll, I'll I'll saddle up. Thank you. <laughs> Take care. Thanks, Jeff. Great stuff from Jeff. Really, really appreciate that kind of insight. Such a sharp brain, and he's got me thinking. Mm, if the stars align, I think Denver could be a team to watch. I probably just jinxed them <laughs> right there, right now. I've probably just jinxed them. But that offense, I think, and I would lean Teddy. Personally, I would lean Teddy. He's a player that people are writing off so quickly. Once again, it wasn't that long ago that it was Teddy's a really sharp bit of business for Carolina. All of a sudden now, everybody's a little bit cold in him. I would go with Teddy. I would air it out and let's see what the offense has got. We are going to have more franchise focuses running your way, rolling your way over the next couple of weeks. We are going to talk Arizona, another team that is right on the line could go either way, really want to break them down a little bit more. So we're going to do exactly that uh, show drop in next week. We'll deep dive on Arizona and plenty more where they came from as well. So keep your eyes peeled for the pods as they drop in. your pod catcher of choice speaking of which if you haven't already we would appreciate it if you spend 30 seconds a minute hopping on leaving a review letting people know what you think about the pod only if it's positive don't and certainly don't say anything negative about ollie and edge rush because i mean that's just going to put him in a mood probably for the whole season quite frankly college days as well same ben isaac's difficult to work with so (laughs) make sure you say positive things about them at the very least uh we would appreciate that helps uh of course Uh, keep us on uh in the good books of espn the worldwide leader so we we need that at the nc show big shout out to all the crew on social andy tom marley appreciate all their work at the nc show facebook instagram twitter videos from the pods dropped on there gonna be a lot of extra content rolling out there particularly as the season gets underway as well so if you haven't already go give us a follow right let's get out of dodge we'll see you next week bye for now fellow baseball nuts join us on the johnny and josh show with my baseball brothers where jc will endeavor to offer some insightful analysis and my friend eric jansen will
1: offer a quirky baseball trivia but we also have david Langell, who
0: will combine a high level of inappropriateness with a low level of analysis the johnny and josh show available to download wherever you listen to your podcasts